1: All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
0: Tuesdays is Nathan Buckley though at the start. Hello to you, Bucks. G'day, hey, Jared. How are you? I'm very well. You? Yeah, I'm very well. It's it's uh, always uh, a bit happening around the AFL environment in particular, but um, yeah, I'm really excited for the year. It's it's I think it it proves to be a really competitive season, and um, already you know we've got stories galore.
1: And we've got a big a bit a big picture today around yes. game styles and change and the coaching tension and all of that. But so the, the news of the day first: he, Will North Melbourne be better off without? Taron Thomas,
0: is that about to finish its course? I think I'll, I'll preface any comments by saying that I think it is, it's our style. It's the media style to get ahead of things. before, like, And so clubs always look like um, they're behind what the media might speculate about. But North would be very aware of the next steps and what they need to do. Um, I think they've shown great pastoral care for their people and Taron being one of those people. And what I would say about an internal club environment is you are 100% behind and for and with the people in your environment until you're not. Um, So I don't know where North are at in that spectrum, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And if an individual simply will not or cannot uh, come along with the journey of the rest of the organization or the organization can't sit and wait for someone to... To join in, so this may be one of those nexus situations where North need to move on and, and allow Taryn to take responsibility for his actions and and you know hopefully make the the according behavioural changes to make the most of whatever he's got in front of him. What what's the talent trouble equation look like inside the four walls? I think the the um, the appetite to absorb the trouble is less and less. Uh, I think that it should be because I think the competition for spots um, is as fierce... I'm talking about spots on lists, is as fierce as it's ever been. And the responsibility of each individual to buy into what the club is doing both on and off the field um, is so important. It's so pivotal to success in the end. So if you have someone that's not rowing in the same direction, um, it doesn't matter how talented that player is and we'll have different. I mean, you throw a couple of names at me that you think are a talent trouble equation. Stringer and Dagoi are a couple that I would have, would have thought have been there in the past. Who else have we got? Toby, Toby Green has now now proven that the the talent and his application to his craft and and to the club has overcome any of the trouble that we saw in the past.
1: Yep. So you would have had. So I don't want to bucket everybody in together because there are different levels of off-field yeah, and, trouble, right? And, but so, we like we love to bucket, yeah, don't so we? So l- let's find the nuance in it. Yep. But so for a period of time, Jaden Stevenson would have looked like that for me at in your environment. You go, okay. So how much in how much effort goes into one player versus the rest of the locker room, and does that wear out over a period of time, and does that ultimately? Not, not in um uh, not a sort of a pinnacle moment of trouble but
0: does that ultimately see a player tip out the accumulation of it well Jaden's specific situation and it's you know he's currently in the midst of his of his football career and and he's a talented young man young player that still has areas of his game to improve on on field um, and I don't know I can't I haven't been in touch with him in the last couple of years. I don't know how he's going off field, whether his professionalism has improved, but Jaden was no issue at all through 2018. He came in as a young player. He worked hard. He put his head down and it, and really halfway through 19, it didn't look like anything was amiss. Like he was he was just a young kid who was trying to work it out and how he fit in. And, and for the most part, it was really positive. He had a conversation with a teammate, a leader at the time about um, what he'd done from a gambling situation and that was a heads up self-reported to the club self-reported to the AFL ends up with the the 10 week suspension. So that was, um, that was a one-off at that stage. And, um, you know, COVID hit soon after and we had to make the call on him at the end of 2020. That wasn't all, that wasn't all behavioral. Um, there was some, yeah, obviously there was some pressures from salary cap and, and we wondered whether he was going to be able to make the, the gaps in his game on field, so there, there was a few things. It wasn't all a behavioural issue, but in, at the end of two thousand nineteen, it was sincerely a one off, and we supported him as much as we possibly could because he was a he. He, he made a, a thoughtless decision. We didn't know if it was. We we had no evidence to assume that it was um, ongoing and and um, more than just a one off, and we supported him as such. I suspect Jack Ginneman's
1: not at Collingwood anymore. On on a form of this equation could took a lot of individual attention and his payoff on the field could be replaced and maybe bettered by somebody else. And so, and they're not 40 decisions. No, and, And this is, that's a very harmless version of this, but I suspect it's, it's a version of it is if, if he was in their best 10 players, I suspect they would have been able to sort of absorb some of the, the attention and the fact that he didn't help himself at various times. Um, But I reckon they just, he was expendable to them.
0: Often one will follow the other. If, um, if you are cutting corners and, and you are taking liberties in your off field preparation and therefore your, your ultimate, you know, best endeavors to be prepared for whatever you need to do on field. I think that that's, that will generally come out in the wash, um, I wasn't there for the last couple of years with Jack. Um, I know that uh, there are, there is a very strong leadership group at Collingwood and they do have a very strong opinion on and high standards on an expectation of professionalism and how they want each other to present and what they want each other to invest um, uh, for the cause. So um, it's not just... The, the coaches, it's the locker room as well about the satisfaction around individuals. And I think some clubs listen to their locker room more than others. And they should at times, if they've got strong leadership and leaders who walk the walk, um, potentially you're not going to be listening to your locker room as much if, if their, if the leadership isn't as strong or isn't as developed at that point. I think the Clayton Oliver
1: scenario clearly falls into this category. Liberties were given, liberties were taken uh, and then the halt was put to that. And, and my point around the Oliver scenario is, it doesn't actually matter what it looks like to us. Is they know in the locker room exactly what's been going on. They're living it, and they end up accountable to it. So the most dedicated end up answering for mm. um, for someone who's not quite living those standards. But Oliver is such a great player, and he's on such a
0: contract that he, he is worth. The effort, yeah, and and
1: effort is playing out before us right now. I think.
0: I mean, we, we, I find it very difficult as a, as a logical thinker, and a, you know, there's no doubt that this, when it came to the surface for us, and for even for the guys at Melbourne, there would still would have been some form of coping with whatever he was doing to cope and the pressure that he might've felt to be the high, a consistent high performer, those behaviors would have been festering and, and developing over, you know, I don't know, a couple of years. Like that's logical. Now it might not have, it might've been a one-off thing. And then it's, then it sort of goes, then it's sort of the bandaid gets ripped off. But I, you have to assume that there's, there's probably been issues bubbling along, but his con- consistent high perform, elite performance. Has just kept that under the surface, um, and maybe you sweep some of that stuff under the carpet whilst that's happening, whilst someone looks like they're coping. But as soon as it it's quite obvious that they're not coping, whatever those issues are, whether they're personal, whether they're emotional, whether they're choices poor choices, um, then it becomes a you know you, this is it's nearly a it's nearly a, um, it's nearly a moment. I'm trying to think of the word, where you basically, you you sit down and and you have a, this is a come to Jesus moment. You're either with us or not. We're here for you as a person first and then a footballer second, and we want to help you. And if we, it's an intervention, that's the word, intervention, and you're just saying, well, we need to be here for you. And you cannot continue making these decisions or putting yourself under this stress and now it's starting to affect the club, but we care for you. So it's, I think that's what clubs do, and and in that sense, they're ahead of what the media see, yep. feel, and believe.
1: Yeah, so we wait to see what the AFL action is. Tom Morris with the report that it's going to be an 18-match suspension. So that in itself will give an insight into the gravity. Is that sort of suspension for off-field issues, it's hard to come up with a precedent. Is Ben Cousins got banned indefinitely for a period of time? Um, gambling was 10 weeks. Is I think the the gravity of what's taking place around the investigation and the habitual behaviour, if that 18-match suspension is announced by the AFL, then that'll give you a pretty good idea. And I am quite firm. The game can't be a haven for recidivists. As there has to be a point where the game goes, okay, we're not callously tossing you back into the community, and a lot has been done on that front, but... We can't have you as part of this community for the
0: time being. And I think the AFL have, you know, I think Andrew Demetrio set this precedent. He wanted our sport to be um, front and centre in societal issues. And that's difficult when you're dealing with young teenage men who are still working themselves out, let alone how they fit in the football environment and then in society. So you're putting players on a pedestal, or young men on a pedestal that potentially aren't the arbiters of, of how to live your life um, the best way. But it's important. The AFL have followed through and become and become the umpires of what they think is societal norms, and 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 hold. And I think we should be held to a higher standard because we're in a very public situation. But right? the AFL have followed through with that more often than not. I think clubs are very good at it, but the, quite often they will want to suppress and support internally before, um, before having these things come out in public. They're not, they're not as open as the AFL would be. I would have, I would have thought. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. The AFL are taking more of a hands-on approach to these, um, integrity issues and societal issues over clubs than they ever have before. Yeah
1: the talent versus trouble equation, you'll have your thoughts. Oh four double three, ninety eight, eleven, sixteen, forty wings, temper, text, temper, a mattress like no other, and one-three hundred-seven three six seven three six. The match simulations, which then give way to the one practice match and then to the season. So what are the trends of the game? What are the game styles? What are the anxieties of coaches at the moment when you've made all your choices and you've prepared and then you're just about to put them out to be tested by other teams and put them out in public nathan buckley to run through the art of coaching and maybe the anxieties around the pre-season game style will do that through the prism of a few different coaches next
0: the game is moving in a certain direction and, and if you don't move with it you're going to be left behind is something that we are very conscious of um but i think that's still secondary to you know building the way you play around the, the strengths of your most influential players we have tried to become um a bit more dynamic a bit more powerful Um, in the way that we that way we play and I think some of that you saw at the back end of last year Um, and you know what
1: we've been able to do is probably spend the summer trying to train that a little bit more so that's been a you know somewhat
0: a priority for us this year yeah I think we're close I think we're in a marginal gains position ourselves as a football club we
1: we know that we've been a pretty honest and pretty consistent performing side throughout this uh, last three or four years in the home and away series but the reality is um we we got to win. We got to win at the end, and that's what we got to make sure we take some learnings for. But I think it's it's a marginal amount that we're chasing.
2: We've worked pretty hard on our reaction time and talked about that, watched that, trained it. Collingwood was slightly better in that area. We've trained differently, so we've played a lot more small-sided games that are probably harder than the game that are at higher intensity, quite deliberately. Train that reaction time, yeah, you know, you right. you got to think more mm. more decisions to make more quickly.
1: A glimpse into the mind of our coaches in the
2: preseason. So just a snapshot of
1: those who have been on the station across the past week, the idea of marginal gains and change. And then what you've really been specific about is that's very honed from Chris Fagan around identifying what didn't quite work again, what, what Collingwood was superior about, and then investing time in that. So there's the minutiae of it, Nathan Buckley, and then there's the big picture of game style and where you fit, what you've chosen, and what you're about to roll out. So let's have the big picture conversation around game
0: style. Okay, where do we start? Evolution. I, yeah, I think I've gone back about 20 years to look at the Premier's of the of the of the time and to look at where the game may have come from and evolved so and I felt I only wanted to go back to 2010 but then I went back to you had to you had to include Geelong's era and then I wanted to go back even earlier than that for the Swans and West Coast grand finals because they were just the toughest fittest teams of the era like both of them were coached Paul Ruse and John Worsfold coached them to be tough inside and fit to get to the next contest. And that's pretty much those grand finals. That's the way they were played. And they just bullied other teams with the way that they were able to win those contests more often than not. Then then uh, Bomber had Geelong going with you know, really solid intercept defence, gun mids and that and that run, in, run and carry attitude that we want to score heavily, as heavily as we possibly can. The way that that was counted was come forward defence. So St Kilda and Collingwood had eras there where their defence was was designed and drawn to put pressure on the ball and stop that run and carry. So yeah, Collingwood had that success over St Kilda in 2010. Chris Scott comes in and he evolves Geelong's, um, because Collingwood had that really uh, significant pre- uh, preliminary final win in 2010 against Geelong, and that was a shock. Chris Scott comes in, he says, all right, well, if you're going to press us that hard, we're going to kick over you. And so Geelong changed slightly with Chris Scott. He, he doesn't probably get enough credit for that little shift that he made. And they kicked longer. So Tom Hawkins became more important. They kicked over the pressure initially and then, and then played, you know, the old style from that. But that was a, still a, a small shift, but a significant shift. One him a flag. Swans were great. Best contested team in 2012. Work rate from contest to contest. Again, that's the Swans way. It's always been hardest and cleanest inside and, and get numbers to the next contest. And they've done that extremely well. And then the Hawks went on their era, more possession-based from the back half. We sort of started seeing the quarterback idea. Hodge, Birchall, etc. cetera. The left footers off half halfback. Um, move the ball in a manner that we can defend. So they're always thinking about defending, but... We want to make sure that we control the ball. We move the opposition around till we find a hole and then we go use it. And if we need to go forward under pressure, we go forward to the ground because we've got Rioli, we've got Bruce, we've got Puapolo, we've got Gunston. So they, they play, and then Franklin was a smaller, tall forward. So we, we've got to 2015 now. 2016 was just one out of the box with the Bulldogs. They just got so good in close and their pressure on the opposition was huge. Then the Richmond era... Take the contest forward of the play. Yeah, we want to, we want to make sure that when the ball hits the ground on the deck, we're making the defences, we need to get it to the deck first. And so we've got a Castagna. we've got small, small forwards that actually are really good aerially. They don't take a lot of marks, but they just bring the ball to ground and then we just hunt them. And then we just force them into pressure and we score off the back of that. That's how they won their flags. In between that, 2018, West Coast and Collingwood, that was a bit of a throwback and about the possession game in the half and, and um, obviously when we knocked Richmond over in the prelim, that broke the nexus a little bit, but Richmond's game style was still strong to continue. But West Coast and, and us went about it a similar way. Control the ball in the back half, try and split the defence, pull them apart and then and then score off that. Um, Melbourne were just a solid back six, dominant mids and scored heavily. Like that grand final was one out of the box, but Melbourne probably learnt not to put as many people in the honeypot and they learnt to sit off the contest a little bit more. So probably had two or three less players go into the in into the contest and, and learnt a little bit more balance. The Cats were just intercept defenders, probably the most balanced team that we've seen in in a, in a decade or so. They were just amazing. And the Pies, I think there's a bit of Richmond in that, but they were just more experienced in scenarios. They, great leadership, great on-field leadership, um, a connection to... I mean, game style was really strong. Uh, but Billy Frampton came in for a reason. You need a big player down the line to kick to when you don't, when you can't move the ball off the line as much as you wish to. But I suppose what does that bring us to as a synopsis? So, and Chris Scott said, we need to move with the game. We need to move with the game. And if you don't, you're going to be left behind. I think modern football, you need to make defences accountable. If you, if you leave them to get an extra, an intercept mark, you're going to be left behind. So forwards are going to hold more. You're going to try and get more even-numbered contests in front of the ball, and you're going to be prepared to move the ball into those even-numbered contests more often. You've still got to be great in the contest. That's a basic. Uh, you need defenders who are strong aerially, and not only now do they need to be strong airily in in their own, like with a plus one, but they need to be strong aerially in even-numbered contests, and they need to be able to win their own ball on the ground. So you need to encourage that. And one thing that's always been true is you need to do the basics better than the opposition. win you know, more people win their position more often and do the basics better than your opposition, you're gonna win a lot of games of footy. So that's the way I see it. I don't think it's changed that much. Footy, the basics of footy don't change that much, but the nuances might only be five or ten percent, but they're huge. So what when you come to make your assessments at the end of
1: the year, say um Port Adelaide who were or oh, Brisbane who are super close, Port Adelaide who would have finished frustrated, but yes. Ken Hinckley says that they they're in the business of marginal gains. Yep. And um, how much of it is making the adjustments how much change do you make within what you think is has the core of success, but is not quite there
0: yet? Well this, it comes back to the coach's philosophy in my mind. Are you a strength based coach that wants to make your weapons even stronger or, and cause there's available evidence here, like against the competition, we are really weak here, but we're really strong here. But if you're really weak in an area that is in your mind, insignificant to playing, winning football, well then that, that's irrelevant. Like you might, um, there was a period there where Geelong really didn't care if they won stoppage or not because they played with an extra behind the ball. And they actually rebounded. Well, Richmond were, were were very similar. They didn't care about their midfield. They didn't have a strong midfield and they didn't care if they lost clearances because they just rebound the ball off off their plus one defence. And it was pretty hard to stop them doing that because they were the best in the in the competition at it. So if you're 18th in clearances, it's probably not going to worry you. So you're not going to work at being better at clearances because you, you, you own the transition game. So I think philosophically... Most coaches will go now. Look, we're really great at this, and we think this is impossible for the opposition to best. So we're just going to be so good at what we do here that the rest of it's going to be buffered. But there might be um, there might be some some different areas for respective teams that they think no, we need to we really need to focus on this here. Now maybe Richmond decided we need to get Hopper and Toronto. We need to be better inside. We can't afford to continue down the path we're going because the game's changing. You don't want to be playing off your heels all the time. Yeah, Damien Hardwick's not there anymore, but it'd be interesting to see what Uze does with that. Yeah. And what's
1: the tension piece between moving your game toward what you think the standard is, what the game looks like, or moving the game towards yep. you and being bold enough to well, try to do that?
0: I think Ross Lyons going to, and St. Kilda are going to be a fascinating um, case study in that regard because we see Ross as a dour defensive coach. And he will philosophically I can't see him changing that he will always want to build his team defense and St Kilda struggled with their team defense they had players behind the ball that that probably didn't communicate as well I thought Howard probably wasn't quite as strong and, and struggled in that area and I thought he was exposed at times but you don't want you keep like I mean, Zach Dawson way back when I there was something about him that Ross loved that he was able to like, and it was probably his closing speed to be able to, you know, when, he, when, the, when the front line of defence and the mid line of defence had failed, Zach Dawson had a way of getting across and just getting a fist in to be able to reset. So I, I think Ross is still working on his key backs and, and, and how they are going to communicate to the guys in front of them to set up the way they want to defend. And, I, and they still had some work to do there. And you don't change that in one preseason. Um, but they, they have a, I mean, I look at Henry, Wanganine, Miller, Hill, Sinclair, like they, they could be the most dynamic team off the back. And, and I've, and, and he's spoken about that, about wanting to move the ball fast and wanting to, um, challenge opposition defenses. So St. Kilda are going to be an interesting study between the, ph- the philosophy of the coach and the way the game's going. Ross is going to need to potentially, he's going to work out, am I going to hold my forwards forward more? Because traditionally he's been empty out the forward line and get all the way back to support our defence in our back half. But to expect your forwards to do that and then get all the way forward and and um, and even up their numbers when they get in the forward line, it's nearly impossible to do. Something's got to give and he's got to work out exactly what that balance is. And I don't think round one will be when we see that solution. Yep. It evolves for every team along the journey because the seasons are as long as they've ever been.
1: Nathan Buckley, the art of coaching and setting a team up for the season game style wise. You'll have your thoughts. One three hundred seven three six seven three six and the forty winks temper text. O four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Temper a mattress like no other. Here's Nathan in the newsroom. Nathan, thank you. And Callum Toomey's reporting more pain for the Hawks. Defender Denver Granger-Barras has had surgery after suffering turf toe last week. He'll miss 12 to 14 weeks. So Sam Edmund will come in and join me a little later as the scourge of injury Mm. in the preseason has wickedly hit Hawthorne.
0: It has. And and I was down there on Thursday, last Thursday to watch it. And um, Sam um, actually came across and sat with a crew of us there for a little bit. He said, "Yeah." He goes, "If I had a top five that are people that I wanted to get through unscathed, we lost two of them in Jath and, um, and blank." So, it it it's it does, it, it is challenging, and it's not great for a developing team because you sort of you need momentum. Like the players need momentum. They've done it. They've done a lot of work. Yeah, you know, like in pre seasons leading into this and through this pre season, if you've really invested, you. And then little things like this happen, it, it It especially the key players, it sort of takes a, a little bit of a nick out of you as you go along. Now, you need to build that resilience and wherewithal because the best teams go along these journeys and collect them and then they cull us and then they get better. Um, but in the in the short term, it, it, it just becomes another hurdle that they need to overcome. And sometimes you need clearer air or smoother waters to be yeah. able to take the steps that... You, you'd like you'd like to take, but that's life. That's the game.
1: Yeah, and it feels like there's a club that does get hit hard on the way into a season each year, and Hawthorne uh, are saddled with that um, in the final few weeks. Their, their
0: challenge, their challenge is to is to accept it, understand it, and even with the commentary that'll happen around it, you don't want to become hangdog about no, it no. because it doesn't help you. So it's just, this is opportunity, you know. So now Ethan Phillips comes in and played a great pracky match. Actually, stood out in that practice match playing on Mitch Lewis, did really well. Mitch Lewis was nowhere to be seen in the best forward line because Ethan Phillips does a job on him. So take some intercept marks, been overlooked by 18 clubs three years in a row. So overlooked 54 times. Like he's, he's ready to go now it's, and, and he's hungry. We heard in the interview this morning, he's ready to go.
1: Opportunity. Mm. Nathan Buckley's in the studio. This is Waitley for Hyundai. The Hyundai SUV sale event is on now. I had the luxury of walking in and recognising different photos that were up that might have been up for too long and things like that. It's just like, we need, some, we need some clear air here. Why is that in this room? Like that's six years ago. I felt like I was disrespecting people by saying, does this need to be in here? Can we, can we move it? Can we get some blank walls? And the leaders bought into that. We had a discussion around it and it was, it was time that that needed to be shifted and almost like a fresh coat of paint. Adam Muse last night with Tim Watson on Channel 7 it was such a great insight into how you come in and make a club your own. So you know what that theaterette looked like,
0: Bugs. Yeah, You've I said it before. Interviewed Dion Prestia in it, um, yeah, at the beginning. It would have been five or six games in the last, last year. And it's actually, it's the theaterette. It's where they meet. It's where they talk about their game reviews, game previews. It's It's the inner sanctum of the inner sanctum. And um, yeah, there's there's photos of their successes uh, up there in their years, you know, 17, 19, 20. And th- there's a balance of celebrating and reminding yourself about what you've achieved, the work that's gone into it, and how that feeds into your opportunities going forward and letting that go, cutting the cord and realising that it's time to not start again, but we've, we're, we're we're now cleaning the slate. As you know, put a new coat of paint on as yep. as who's reckons and and go again. But I mean, you look at you look at Richmond's list. And like even just go through. like say so Nick Voston, Dylan Grimes, Dion Prestia, Dustin Martin. Now it's a pretty good start if you're reading down number order. Liam Baker, love him. Like just love the way he goes about it. Yeah, you know, Toronto's you know been there for a short time. Jaden Short, Best and fairest winner. Daniel Rioli, Lynch. How's he going to go I mean, There's there's no shortage of of talented players at, at Richmond. So it's, as he said, talk to the leaders, make the adjustments. There needs to be a mind shift. We'll find out how invested they were, how much was left in their tanks to, in preparation in the early stages of the season. I don't think a practice game is enough to go on, but they, they looked good. They would have been happy with that. And as David Teague said yesterday, the energy of the players. The, the connectedness of the players and the attitude was, was the most encouraging thing about it. You know, well, they'll be tested at different times and we'll find out whether they step up or whether they fall away. Chris Fagan was in this studio with Gary and Tim a week ago. So
1: the lot of the runner up history, it can be a hard lot, how you deal with it, what, it, how it fuels you or otherwise for the next campaign. So he, he gave, the, he was just gave such a great insight into the review that they did on the grand final.
2: Our group now have played in the grand final. I I said to them after the grand final, look, before today, we had three blokes that have played in the grand final. Now I've got 23 and you'll all be better for the experience. And, um, you know, we milked that for all it was worth in the two or three days post the grand final, just to, you know, remember the lessons, lock them away in the vault. Hopefully we get back and get another chance. But, um, the review of the grand final took place on, on Wednesday. It was a really good review. I I, I love the fact that the players were so honest because that grand final came down to moments, really. Mm. And, um, you know, I I talked to the players about the idea. I I said to them, you know, is there a moment that you'd like back? And I went around the room. And uh, we and I talked to them, too, about the idea that, you know, there's, there'll be no reprisals here. You're, hu- you're humans, you'll make mistakes, and there'll be things that you regret. But it's important to talk about them here today before you go and leave so you don't carry them around for mm. the next six mm. months. Get them off your chest. And um, I was a bit curious to know how they'd be with their honesty because we'd gone through the tape and we knew all the moments. Mm. They didn't miss one. Right. They were so honest. And, and some of them had to make themselves pretty vulnerable, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, but it was great, and in the end, I said, "Well, everything you just said here, it is. We watched it on the video, and and that's it."
1: What about that for an approach of dealing with a narrow loss in a grand final?
0: When he said the Wednesday, when, when he said we had it on Wednesday, was that soon after? Yeah. So that was like in the week or two after. The week in after. The week after. Yep. Yeah. Oh, look, I. I look at Fags and I I get two feelings about that. One is I love it. I love the positivity, owning it, fronting up to it, having those honest conversations, exposing the players to the reality of what has just happened. Um, and it's, and it's really close to, you know, that disappointment is still ever present, like it, it lingers, it it lasts, it's, it's not going to be gone now, but, um, And then to be talking about the big picture and we've learned from this, like that's a really positive way to spin a disappointment. Um, And really they only lost it in the last five minutes as, as suggested. The other part of me goes, well, what is, what is going to make that? It's not just incremental improvement. Is it, what is going to be the shift, the dog hungry attitude that is going to go from where they were to where they want to be? And that might not be incremental growth and it might not be, you know, taking the steps and learning the lessons because you don't always get what you want going down that path. But so there's two ways to look at it. Is it okay? That's the, that's the big picture. Or we're always going to learn something from this. The other one is, Hey, in that moment, we need more from you. there. like, like, so it's, it's philosophically very different, but Fags has always been that way. He has to be true to himself and he's been able to develop this Brisbane list to you know, where they are now. And they have improved their finals performances in the last two years. They they hadn't won a final forever, and then they win one when they've played poor football going into the finals in 22. Uh, and then they perform really well through 23, to the point of being up with five minutes on the clock. So um, once again, we'll see how the players respond. But they're, they're stacked. Brisbane's list yeah. is stacked, but that doesn't guarantee anything. You've still got to go and do the work and get it done.
1: I love the imagery of, so he knows the answers and then he wants to hear from his group whether they'll, whether they're it's, exactly on the same page and whether the players are prepared to own it and purge their souls in front of it. So that, that, that's a really, um, that, that's such a reassuring image of a group and its I coach.
0: Agree. I agree. And 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 it's, it's very, very Chris Fagan. like he's um and potentially you don't have that perspective unless you've got that perspective like he's lived it he's lived it all lost grand finals won grand finals um trying to back up after a win trying to recover after a loss like he's he lived through 2012 loss to sydney playing sydney the next the next year and winning so as an assistant coach or as a as a head of footy so uh, under with alistair clarkson so he's he's lived all of this he's been through it all he's got the wherewithal he's got the experience he's the perfect bloke to guide brisbane through these stages and 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 i think that they they definitely did grow and learn about themselves over the last you know the 14 months from august 2022 through to the final siren of 2023 granny they've improved and they've bettered themselves what can they take into 24. yep
1: it's uh... It's such an interesting time of year everything's theory but then you get these little morsels at the moment well
0: in the end you can say like every coach is going to be positive about their club every and their playing list and their and their ability and what they're capable of like every coach will be will be really positive and optimistic about what the season looks like get to round one there'll be nine that have had a win and or whatever um, round zero and round one. A <laughs> We're a little bit confused four, split by that at the start. <laughs> But um, there will be there will be, you know, clubs that, that, that get a win on their first game and clubs that lose in their first game. It's not the end of the world, but um, the the grit and the drive underneath and the work that either has or hasn't been done at that top level, that will become apparent as we go. Terrific. Good to see you. Cheers, Jared. Nathan Buckley on Tuesdays with our particular bent toward coaching.